I'm a, I'm a fitness instructor. I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not a managing director. I'm not a CEO. However, I've been kind of put in this position, or not. I've found myself in this position, I should say, where now I'm running companies and I've had to employ people and fire people and uh, raise funding and do, do all kinds of stuff. And I, I wasn't really trained for that. I'm, I'm a coach, you know what I mean? I'm a fitness instructor. <laughs> so I guess the biggest challenge was learning the business side of things and realizing that that's half of it. You know what I mean? I could, like, I love coaching and I prefer coaching than the behind the scenes of running a business. But if I don't do that stuff, I'm not going to see the clients I want to work with or build the programs or do the things I want to do on that side of things. So I think that's been the biggest challenge for me, just developing the business, the business acumen, I yeah. guess. Welcome to Push To Be More with me, your host, Matt Edmondson. Now, this is a show that talks about the stuff that makes life work. And to help us do just that, today I am chatting with Dan Roberts about where he has had to push through, what he does to recharge his batteries and to be as well as what more looks like for Dan. The show notes and transcript from our conversation will be available on our website, pushtobemore.com. And whilst you're on our website, you can also sign up for our newsletter. And each week we will email you the links and the show notes from the show automatically. They get sent direct to your inbox, totally free. So do check that out. Now, this episode is brought to you by Orion Media, which helps entrepreneurs and business leaders set up and run their own successful podcast. Why would you want to do that? Well, it's a pretty insanely good marketing tool, not going to lie. Uh, I have found running my own podcast to be really rewarding. It opens doors to amazing people like nothing else I've seen. I've built networks, made friends, and had a platform to champion my customers, my team, and my suppliers. And so I think just about all of us should have a podcast for our marketing efforts simply because it's had such a big impact on my own business. And if that sounds intriguing and you kind of go, well, Matt, there's all kinds of problems with your theory. Like, I don't know the technology. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Well, that's fine. That's where Orion Media help you. You see, they take all of that off your plate. You just get to chat to amazing people. They take care of everything else. So if you're wondering if podcasting is a good marketing strategy for your business, do connect with them at orionmedia.com. That's A-U-R-I-O-N media.com. Now, that's our show sponsor. Let's meet today's guest, Dan Roberts, a high energy personal trainer, movement coach, and the secret weapon behind those Hollywood blockbuster fight scenes. Oh, yes. Juggling roles as a strength conditioning maestro and a cherished mentor to fellow trainers, Dan also finds time, because, you know, he's not busy enough, to create revolutionary workout systems like Methodology X. He's the dynamic managing director of the Dan Roberts group of companies. He's not just a London local, but apparently a bit of an international sensation, transforming fitness landscapes both online and across the globe. Dan, that's quite an intro, man. Welcome to the show. Great to have you. How are you doing? 
I'm doing good. I'd like to employ you as my PR manager immediately. Please. <laughs> <laughs> you say you make me sound so wonderful, and I hope no, I, don't I wish I could. You. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I wish I could take credit. That's the production team uh, at Orient Media writing all this amazing stuff. Um, <laughs> I'm just like I, I love it when they rewrite bios for clients, you know, and they and yeah, and I clients. definitely didn't write that. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Though. Thank you. It's great, isn't Thank it? You. It's great. It's wonderful. Well, welcome yeah. to the show, man. I'm excited because before we uh, hit the record button we were just chatting away i was a little bit late getting on the call because i got sucked into your website mm. uh the yeah, dan website you just get drawn in you just get sucked in <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a it's a very good website um so yeah i mean one of the things i discovered and what my opening question on these podcasts uh, mm. is the i call it the podcast question um if you had a podcast and you could interview anybody past or presence had a profound influence on your life who would that be but it turns out you don't just have one but two <laughs> of your own podcasts what's that all about yeah um silliness greediness <laughs> lockdown <laughs> uh, you know what, though, like, like I'm sure you agree, it's, it's an amazing marketing tool, mm. podcasting, you know, and, um, and also I'm always a fan of doing things which help my business, but also help me develop as well. And I found yeah. that podcasting yeah. has helped me be a bit more succinct, <laughs> um, learn how to kind of be more interesting when I have a limited time. It's, um, it's forced me to kind of improve, I guess, my communication yeah. skills. Yeah. Uh, so that's, main, that's half the reason why I set it up and the other reason is I have different brands, different products and I have podcasts attached to different things I want to promote. For example, yeah. I have one product which is like a workout mainly for fashion models. So I have a podcast which is kind of dedicated to that and I interview yeah. fashion models and fashion, fashion industry people. Also, I mentor quite a lot. I mentor quite a lot of personal trainers and strength coaches and I have another business as part of the group which looks after, which educates and mentors coaches. So it made sense to set up a podcast linked to that. Sure. You know, they're both quite small, to be honest. They're not like yours, but um, they're fun. And it's just, uh, mm. yeah, I'm sure you found it too. Like you, you, uh, you discover how bad you are at things when you first start and you have to like, quickly improve. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, there's that rapid improvement. I always found with podcasting um, and with all, all the clients that we're involved with, it's the first 10 episodes. If you can get through the first 10 episodes, life is a lot more simple uh, with podcasting. You start yeah. getting your groove a little bit. Um, mm. But it's yeah. getting through those first 10 episodes that people really struggle the most with, uh, which I, f I find quite, quite. F I don't know why the, there's a magic number of 10. But um, how, long have you, how long have you been doing your podcast? How long have they been going? Uh, I set them up during lockdown, like okay. everybody else, I think. Um, and they just sort of carried on a little bit i'm not massively consistent like you know once every few weeks i'll do an episode okay uh, it's not my main thing but i love it i really enjoy it but yeah. i actually prefer being a guest more because i don't have to do anything i just have to, <laughs> I just have to react you like are thinking of questions and like thinking of like is this recording shit is it not mm -hmm. recording i don't have yeah. to worry about that so yeah. i'm very relaxed right now and i much prefer being a guest yeah, <laughs> much prefer being because they have to ask the questions it's, it's up to the host whether well, you have to kind of, you have to think about the time as well because i know like mm -hmm. i don't quite know what you're going to ask me today but i'm sure there's some sort of structure going on and like mm -hmm. if we if we spend too long on one thing then you have to bring it back and you have to always kind of be engaged but also thinking about the other stuff and i don't i just have to listen to you and talk yeah. to you one-on-one -on -one. Yeah. i don't have to worry about anything so uh yeah i've got the, I've got the easy role today so <laughs> 
So yeah. Okay. Wow. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, no pressure on me then. Uh, is yeah. The, be uh, amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I heard when I read your bio yeah, from uh, my company, they said you were the best podcast ever. So I was like, fine. So, yeah, let's yeah. do it. <laughs> well, <let's... laughs> I should get you Bring guys to write my PR. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so you've got these podcasts, right, which you started yeah. in lockdown. And mm-hmm. so let me go back to our question. Maybe they've been a guest already, but I'm curious if you could have anyone as, an, as a guest on your show, past or present. Um, the only caveat is they've had to have had a profound influence on your life. Who would, who would be on your guest list? Hmm. It's a really good question. Um, with my, with my, I'll, I'll give you an example because it's someone I really wanted to have on, and I he was actually my last person I did have on, and I was really mm. chuffed. Um, uh, on my business podcast, I I interview or chat with uh, trainers I admire over the mm-hmm. years, and there was a trainer in LA called Gunnar Peterson who was like in the well even nowadays he's like one of the top kind of like a-list celebrity trainer he used to train yeah. the la lakers for a while uh king okay. kardashian dwayne johnson uh slice stallone's that's trainer for a while he's wow. trained like a lot of people and back when i first start, started coaching uh when i first did my qualification i had like this many years ago 25 years ago i had this dream of like flying to hollywood and training train training hollywood stars and mm. all that kind of stuff which was so unrealistic um, but he was at the time the top trainer, and I was like, for the last like since you know for the last ten years, I've always wanted to meet him and have a chat with him. Okay. And having the podcast okay. gave me an excuse to actually reach out to him and have a you know chat with him and build a relationship and have a good conversation. And we're still kind of like friends now. And it was like it was really cool because the yeah. podcast gave me an excuse to reach out because I didn't really need a reason to talk to him. But <laughs> and when you, and someone's on a podcast, you can ask them like. Hey, what yeah. are those challenges? How did you do this? How did you do that? And yeah. I can really interrogate them. Where if I went for a beer with this guy, it'd be really weird if I asked him all those questions. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So it was Gunnar Peterson, and I had him on, and it was brilliant. It was what I wanted it to be. So, Fantastic. That's my answer. That's a, and that's a great answer because it's a, a, I just the, you picked up on a point there, which is really important, that actually when you're speaking to someone like we are now on a podcast, the conversation has to get to a very good place very quickly. And it, mm. and you can't you can't do that over a beer or a coffee. You have to have several beers, I think, before you can get as deep into the conversation. Yeah. But whereas on the podcast, you, you everyone expects to get there quite quickly. It's, it's the remarkable thing about doing the shows. And so the fact that you have done this with uh, Gunnar Peterson, I think it, it must have felt really, really special. Yeah, it was great. It, it, was, it was really cool. And I've also, I felt I didn't feel like in awe. It was just nice because I'm older now. I'm not this 23-year-old going, wow, that's amazing. I'm 46 mm. and I've, I've kind of hit my career goals. So I didn't, it was, it was nice just to like listen to his story and I could relate to some things as well rather than just like mm. being all deferential. I could actually yeah. understand his journey. And it was, a, yeah, it was cool. It was just a nice conversation. And Fantastic. we now have a working relationship, which we didn't have before. Mm. you know that's that's the other thing isn't it it's it's um i i find that if i reach out to people um like uh you know celebrities in your niche is a, is a want of better expression the higher ups in mm. your niche or the 
Um, people that have just written a book, authors, those kind of people that you go, I just wish I could have a conversation with. This was such a great book. I would love to yeah. have a conversation with them. If you go, oh, I host this podcast, you fancy coming on? They're like, sure, man, because they've got to promote the book. So it's a really interesting way of connecting with people. So out of that interview then with yeah. Dana, what were some of the things that stood out to you? Um, it kind of just reconfirmed what I kind of figured out already that mm. to kind of make it in my industry, you have to be patient. <laughs> you, have to, you have to be really patient and you can't really ever stop. You know what I mean? Like right. the biggest, like in my kind of world of like sort of personal training, the hardest thing is actually to stay relevant as you get older. That's one of the biggest battles. Yeah. Um, with the rise of social media, everyone gets their 15 minutes of fame every so often, but to actually stay yeah. relevant for five years, 10 years, 20 years, that's hard. And um, I've tried to do that. He's done that. Quite a few other people over the world have done that. And uh, it's, they never stop. You know, they're always quite humble in terms of they don't think they're the best. They're constantly mm. doing courses. Like he did like, I mean, I'm constantly doing new qualifications. And it was nice to hear that he also recently finished a qualification he did online, like another mm. fitness one. And the guy coaches LA Lakers. He like, didn't really need more qualifications, you know, mm -hmm. but you're doing it just for his own personal development. And that was nice to hear. Yeah. It was nice that it wasn't just connections, you know? Mm. It's actually it. also hard work. Oh, and yeah. living in LA. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have to be honest, I'm not a fan of LA, but that's just me. It's um it's one of those things where um this staying relevant uh, that you talk about and mm. also the humility, being humble. Those two things seem to go hand in hand, don't they? Because I, I feel like if you get to a place where where, where if you feel like you've attained um, like you don't need any more qualifications, like you don't need to go any further. That's probably the fastest way to become irrelevant, I would have thought. I totally agree. And also it links in, I'm, I'm in a bit of a niche in my world. Like um, I'm a trainer and my company like looks after like private clients. Nearly all of them are in the entertainment industry. So we're very much in that little weird, mm. wanky little niche of cele celebrity training world. Mm. And there's a lot of like what you see in this little small world of like celebrity training is as soon as someone trains someone vaguely famous, they shout about it loads. Yeah. Like, so if you, and then that's kind of guarantees you, you know that their career isn't going to go up. Mm -hmm. You know, if you shout about training like some someone who was on Hollyoaks, you're not really going to get Brad Pitt calling you. You have to kind of be <laughs> quiet about it and yeah. do your work yeah. and then slowly over the years, you, you know, if, yeah. you, if you're in that particular world, you build a reputation behind the scenes you don't talk about it on Instagram. Actually, that ruins your career in that world mm. if, you, if you sort of show off too much uh, because production companies don't like it, agencies don't like it. So you have, to, really interesting. you have to actually be humble, not just because it's a nice way of being and the correct way of mm. being morally as a human being, but also on a business point of view, it actually makes mm. business sense to be humble, shut up, get the work done, build a reputation behind the scenes. And that's yeah. kind of what the top people in my little world um, who've been around for a while are all doing. Some of them might have like presences, but they're doing a lot more amazing things behind the scenes and the right people know what they're doing, not just mm. the public at large or not Sun Magazine or TikTok, you know? Mm. Super powerful, isn't it? And I imagine actually if you're, if you're training a lot of celebrities that keeping their confidence is probably one of the key things. Like, can they trust you that when they're in the gym and they do something silly that you're not going to go and tell whoever do you know what I mean that the, that that ability to trust you and keep quiet on instagram i can see why there's longevity associated particularly particularly in that crowd who are constantly you know if you if you hang out with some a-lister they are way more nervous than you or i 
um, about being exposed about something because they, yeah. they're so used to people kind of like taking pictures or trying to find out their secrets. So sometimes there's a bit of time for them to warm up to you. And if you lose that confidence, not only will they not hire you, but they'll tell all their other friends mm-hmm. and their agent and their production company, hey, no, he wasn't good. Don't hire him. So it, you have this like trickle effect where it will kind of eventually it will, it will mess up, I think it will mess up your career if that's your career to train mm. these people. If you're doing it just to say you've transformed famous, which a lot of people do, then they'll talk about it and then, th- then they're done. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And no, they'll use it totally. to sell something else. I mean, a lot of people do that. They'll train someone famous, say, hey, I'm a celebrity trainer. But in fact, they don't train any celebrities. They're just doing online training and they're trading off the fact they once trained Hugh Jackman once seven years ago, for yeah. example. Yeah. When you're stopped by in a hotel. Maybe you train yeah, with him. Yeah, I don't exactly. Know. <laughs> There's a lot of that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. You have to like not get involved in that. If, if actually your real clients are in that world, you have to kind of remember that your job is to help them. And as a coach, mm. it's quite mm. easy to be humble because I'm not supposed to be famous or well-known. Like I'm supposed to shine a light on my clients and help them mm. succeed. Mm. If I get any kind of like, uh, fame or get written about, I guess that's nice, but it's not really, I'm not the star here. My client mm. is the star. I'm the coach. So we, yeah. it's weird when coaches, I think, become bigger than their clients or try to become bigger. I find yeah. it very odd right. because if I wanted to be a star, I'd be an athlete or something. I'm, I'm a coach. I, I should be, I'm part of the support crew. That's Does that make powerful. sense? Yeah, totally. And it's, I'm just, as you're talking, uh, Dan, I'm kind of thinking to myself, that I can I can see why you've had the longevity that you've had with that attitude, and actually just that. If I just think about business as a general rule, the ability to think about the client and put the client's needs ahead of your instant fifteen minutes of fame on Instagram or whatever the the pressing thing is, you know, the yeah, the, even even short term profits as well. Yeah, I mean, even yeah. That, yeah. Yeah, whatever the whatever the things are, and just to serve them for the long term seems to be a winning strategy. You know, you're 47, I'm 50, been around a little while, seen a few things, and you kind of go, yeah, there there are some things which which do work in the long run, and actually that's one of the one of the things that works in the long run. But I'm curious. I mean, I read a little bit of your story, um, but I. So, <laughs> so I'm, I'm I'm trying to figure out a way to answer this question, but. Did you sort of wake up one day and go, I'm going to be a celebrity trainer? Or was this just sort of something that you stumbled into? Um, a bit of both. I mean, I, I started coaching when I was 16. I was a sports mm. coach for those five mm-hmm. years of my career, various different sports. Um, and after a few other doing other random things, I started personal training or strength and conditioning coaching technically uh, in my early 20s. And when I first started, I was, uh, I had an athletic background and I wanted to train athletes. So my goal was to train athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, and I put all my focus on that for a good sort of 10 years. That was my goal. Um, mm. Then like, and I, I kind of reached that goal. I was looking after uh, a national sports team, a lot of like Olympic athletes, Commonwealth Games athletes. I kind of got to the top of the world of strength conditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was randomly I was li- I've lived in a lot of different countries and I was living in Brazil, living in Rio de Janeiro and totally by accident, I started, ended up training uh, quite a few Victoria's Secret models who are quite a big deal. It's, it's very random. Mm-hmm. But, um, and that when I started training the models and I'd never really trained people to tone up before, um, but it was quite interesting. So when you train like famous models, you suddenly get invited to parties. And I didn't get invited to parties when I was training like rugby players and football players. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it was like, and it was su- suddenly when I got back to London, 
suddenly like Vogue started writing about me. No magazine had ever written about me, even though I was mm. training like, you know, really good athletes and I'd, you know, really technical stuff. And I was really proud of my career at that point, but no one had heard of me. This was before mm. social media as well. But as soon as I started training people in the public eye, suddenly I got more attention and it opened a lot of doors to various things. And then when I realized that, I was like, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go all the way. So I want to train like A-listers. So I did have, at that point, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this and I'm going to I'm going to be strategic about it, which I kind yeah. of was, and I and I did it. So you were kind of strategic about it, um, and is is an interesting phrase. So <laughs> you got invited out by Universal Pictures. Uh, I read in in 2011 to work on a film. Um, was that yeah, your that was, first? That was my that first was, film. Yeah. Yeah. How was that? I mean, you know, go within what you can actually tell the story of, given what we talked about earlier. But I'm kind of curious. Well, it's so long ago, from... and I didn't, <laughs> I didn't sign an NDA for that one, so it's fine. It was, uh, it was for Snow White and the Huntsman. That was my okay. first film, and I was training the lead cast. Um, what's interesting about that is, like a lot of, a lot of the times in, I think it's in all business, but particularly in the world of coaching, there's a lot of luck involved. Mm. Uh, particularly the, f- the first time you train, like your very first client. Imagine you just become a qualified as a personal trainer. Your very first client, you've got no expertise or no experience whatsoever. Yeah. It's kind of lucky they believe in you, to be honest, because yeah. you've got nothing to back yeah. it up. The yeah. first time you train an athlete, you know, and that's their job, and you're looking after their body, that's kind of lucky. First time you yeah. train someone on Hollyoaks or someone, yeah, yeah. Or someone super famous, it's kind of lucky. So um, I got lucky to get that gig. I was recommended by a trainer in L.A., who basically told Kristen Stewart, you have to see Dan. Now, mm. that made it a lot easier because <laughs> yeah. I had like the direct referral. And that was yeah. lucky because that trainer in LA knew me and I had looked after a few of his clients in the previous two years. Not famous ones, but I'd looked after some of his clients before when they were in London. Yeah. And I did a good job. And then when he was, he's involved in a lot of films, it's not Gunner, it's another trainer. Um, he, he recommended me to Kristen Stewart, who was a lead cast. So then she went to the production company and said, I want Dan Roberts. And then they're like, fine. And then they put me on. So that, that was lucky because it's mm. just because I knew that guy is called Jason who kind of recommended me to Kristen. That's luck. That's luck, you know? Well, it then, is, my, it is then, my jo- then my job is to kind of not mess up, do a yeah. good job. You need to do yeah. a good job. And then basically, which means get the results which is needed whatever they are specifically in the time frame and do it in a way which is enjoyable for the, the talent. And also uh, you communicate well with the stunt team, the producers and the director. So it kind of flows. And, and then mm. funny enough, two years later, you get another call from Universal say, Oh, Hey, we like you. We'll do it again. Yeah. And it, it rolls like that. But the very so first time nice. was, was lucky. It's not like I went out to LA knocking on doors. Mm. I got a phone call saying, Hey, do you mind training mm. uh, Kristen and Charlize for this film? All right. Mm. You know, so that was lucky. Yeah, I can think of worse <laughs> things to have to do. Um, I mean, you say it's, it is luck, and I, I, I do get that because, you know, um, some of the stories that, are, that I have from my own business, you go, well, that was, I was in the right place at the right time. But I'm also yeah. aware, I can't remember who was it that said it. Now, was it Michael Jordan? Is it, was it him that said, the more I practice, the luckier I seem to get? Yeah. And I think, I think there's an element of, in your story, you get the call from Universal because you treated the client of another trainer really well. You did a good job. And actually, there's a there's a case of proving your craft and your worth in things that maybe aren't as 
shiny for want yeah. of a better expression and actually by doing that you start to create these um opportunities that's, for look to get involved right you're exactly right Matt. but that's why you have to be patient because these connections take time you mm. get good at something and you prove your worth behind the scenes as well and then suddenly something happens look at an actor you know if some actor gets like a a role out of nowhere you know like austin butler for elvis you know like not mm. that famous and, but it's not like he was uh, like a bad actor he must have been an incredible actor to, to audition for that elvis mm. film you know what i mean it wasn't he just like did it on the spot you know and like yeah. Not many people knew he was an amazing actor, but in Hollywood, the right people knew he was amazing. That's why he was one of the one of the guys who auditioned. Mm. So you do stuff behind the scenes, and you do your job well, and then you have to. I think you can maybe improve your luck slightly by having good connections, but you can't mm. completely control what kind of contracts yeah. are going to come into your business. What you yeah. can control is what you do when you get that work. Mm -hmm. When you get right. a big new client, you can control how how much attention you put on it how good a job you do, the results mm. you get, that's mm. what you can do. But you can't always control that initial, mm. that initial work. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, I do, yeah. totally. And I, I think you're totally right. And I think, it, again, just looking back over, over life, it's like, if I work on me, like you, you're constantly getting more qualifications, going up with constantly getting more qualifications. You know, you work self-improvement, trying to make myself better. And the clients that I have in front of me, I'm going to serve them. Even if they're not an A-list celebrity, I will serve mm -hmm. them as if they are. The more I do that, the more connections I make, the more connections I make, the luckier I seem to, to get yeah. in a lot of ways, right? And I, th I think it's probably a fair reflection, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm very, very lucky now because I've got 30 years or so behind me of mm. trying to do the right thing behind the scenes, not not screwing anyone over, just mm. being kind, helping people. And all that is kind of goodwill, which builds up behind the scenes. Mm. You know? mm. So now life is like running a business is a piece of cake now because of all the work I've done in the past mm. and the goodwill mm. I've sort of built up, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> so what have been some of the challenges, Dan, that you've faced along the way? Well, I think anyone who runs a business, there are some, I mean, I'm a, I'm a fitness instructor. I'm not an entrepreneur. I'm not, I'm, not a, I'm not a managing director. I'm not a CEO. However, I've been kind of put in this position, or not. I've found myself in this position, I should say, where now I'm running companies, and I've mm -hmm. had to employ people and fire people and uh, raise funding and do, do all kinds of stuff. And I, I wasn't really trained for that. I'm, I'm a coach. You know what I mean? I'm a fitness instructor. Mm -hmm. So I guess the biggest challenge was learning the business side of things and realizing that that's half of it you know what i mean mm. i could like i love coaching and i prefer coaching than the behind the scenes of running a business but if i don't do that stuff i'm not going to see the clients i want to work with or build the programs or do the things i want to do on that side of things so i think that's been the biggest challenge for me just developing the business the business acumen i yeah. guess so it's a bit of a woolly answer it's not like i've had no. this major package event um but it's just yeah it's just been gradually kind of just learning how to run a business multiple mm. businesses and it's uh yeah i know how about I you what's yours I, I you know i i i totally agree with you i'd agree with you in a lot of ways that actually you when you go to school they don't teach you how to run a business um you know i you can go and get an mba i, I don't have one <laughs> do you know i mean i suppose there's a qualification i could i could go well, and get but i mean i've actually know, got a business degree. my first degree was in business i didn't learn okay. anything relevant to running a business <laughs> yeah. <laughs> at all nothing wow i'm not quite sure what that says really um it's an interesting one i mean i did an accounting degree 
mm. which I, I, I came out of my degree. I did accounting and law and thought, I never want to be an accountant. I never want to be a lawyer. Um, that was what I learned on my degree. And I suppose I, I learned how to interpret figures and how to read a balance sheet, which has proven to be very helpful, actually, in, in running your business um, and getting an, an intuition for figures. But the ability to deal, for me, running a business um, is a lot of it comes down to how well you deal with people. And actually, you, you will have learned this in spades in coaching. Do you know what I mean? In terms of trying to get the best out of people. As you build a team, it's the same thing. I'm trying to get the best. I don't, I'm not the chief financial officer for our business. You know, Michelle, she is, she runs all of that. My job is not to do her job. My job is just to get the best out of her that I can. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing actually that coach, what you're learning coaching has probably proven to be quite helpful, I would have thought. I think so. I think so. I mean, it's hard to tell because I, I've only got the experience. I've only got the knowledge I've already got. You know what I mean? I can't go back in time and not know how to coach people. And it's so ingrained because it's all I can do, really. Yeah. I can't help but um, sort of when I, you know, I like people, which helps. You know what I mean? And it's like I can't help. <laughs> I can't help but try and motivate them because my job yeah. is usually, you know, I'm, I'm quite a positive person, and I can't help sort of naturally be a, like to be a coach in all my relationships i have to kind of sort of dial it down a little bit when i'm talking to people i realize not everyone wants me to give them advice you know because <laughs> when people hire me it's like they want my advice but in normal life they don't and i have to kind of watch that a little bit mm -hmm. but um yeah I'm, I'm sure it did i'm sure it did and you learn about anything which helps you learn about the human condition i think mm -hmm. makes you a better manager um but it's not like you don't mess up i mean yeah you know, like in terms of employing people that's a tricky one you know, to yeah. get right. Yeah. I don't know anyone who's like, yeah, I, I knew exactly what to do and it was perfect. I talk to people like, yeah, I did this mistake, I'm not doing that again, did that yeah. mistake, never did that again. And that's usually yeah. how we learn by making, it's so cliched, but we make mistakes. Yeah, and then yeah. you try to repeat them. And I know with me, I've, I've made a lot of mistakes, but I've never, loads of mistakes, but it's never really worried me that much. Like, you know, because it's like, okay, I'll learn from that. And I yeah. knew it was like, I knew it was like part of my kind of story as it were. And it's the best way of learning. Yeah. I don't really so know what that, but yeah. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm really intrigued listening to you talk. Does that mean for you, do you deal maybe with regrets differently as a result of that type of thinking? Do I deal with regrets differently? Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of, I can't really think what regrets I have in terms of, my life so far mm. so i guess i do because i must i'm sure if someone else looked at me it's like my god you don't regret this and this and this <laughs> but in my head in my head i i don't really have any regrets because mm. it's all part of it i mean i think it comes down to how you see running a business and your career i mean if you see it as one big battle or if you see it as like a thing to to, to achieve like you're only successful if you hit x amount of money then i might mm. have regrets but i see it as an adventure like I see life's adventure, I see running a business as the perfect adventure where you have mm. up and an adventure in essence has to have ups and downs, has to have things you're not sure about. Like if I knew exactly mm. how my business would, like what it would be in two years time, it would be just as depressing if I knew exactly how my life would be running in two years time. I mean, if you knew, imagine your life ahead now, if you knew exactly every day what was gonna happen until the day you died, it would be so philosophically depressing, you'd probably wanna mm. end it. If you knew exactly, we need mystery, right? So it's quite, if you see 
running a business as an adventure, then things happen like pandemics. You're like, oh, it's exciting. How shall I pivot from having a gym to suddenly being online, which I had to do, mm. you know? Mm. And I was like, it's quite interesting. It's quite exciting because I've been in a lot worse situations. So it's like you sort of take things on the chin and you think, okay, this is a nice test. How can I, how can I uh, test my stoicism and test my creativity? Mm. So I've had like, when you asked at the beginning of the show, like what challenges, I've had various kind of challenges, but they haven't really felt that hard because I've been quite confident that I can get, get myself out of it. Mm. And, that, yeah. and that's, that's come, from a, that's come from a few, the confidence is really important. I think running a business, and for me, I know specifically where it came from. Like I, I've started from scratch quite a few times. Like mm. I, I, I moved to, uh, where did I start? I moved, moved to, I started from Australia working as a trainer, didn't know anyone there, did a qualification, did well. Then I moved back to London. And this is before social media, so you don't have any reputation. Built a business there. Moved to New York. I've moved to New Zealand. I've moved to, where else did I move to? Uh, Brazil as well. I've lived in quite a few places where I've started from scratch, had no contacts, and just rocked up with, you know, not a massive amount of money, but, a, you know, a little CV and gone, okay, I've got to, I've got to find a place to live. I've got to find work. And... I've got to do this by myself, no mm. contact, no money. And I've done that quite a few times, like started from scratch. And because I've done that, I don't really, like if I was to go bust now, it wouldn't mm. really worry me that much because I know I can build a business from scratch because yeah. I've done it in various countries. And that confidence means you can deal with pandemics or with employees leaving or w whatever, you know, whatever it yeah. may be. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, super powerful, man, <laughs> super powerful. So the uh, this sort of confidence then, because you started up, is that something you've always had, like as a kid growing up? Is that something that came from the family? Or is that something that just you were literally thrown in the deep end when you moved to Australia and had to figure it out? It, it came from my, my, uh, my silly brain. I get bored really easily. And when I was, um, I also get really inspired really easily as well, like even now, like a kid. When I was 17, I got really into reading Beat Generation books. These are writers in the 50s. Jack Kerouac probably the most famous. Mm. Um, Neil Cassidy, Lawrence Filangetti, Alan Ginsberg. And there were these bunch of writers in the 50s, actually 40s and 50s in America, who kind of lived life and they wrote about it. A bit like mm. Hemingway. And it was like a little scene where they kind of, mm. and they wanted to really discover the truth in life. So they experimented with drugs and sex and religion and traveling. And it was all very exciting when you read this stuff when you're like 17, you know? <laughs> and, um, and I remember I was sort of saving up money to go. I, my first trip I went by myself was a, uh, a trip around America um, when I was 18. And I got a job. I used to be a tennis coach. So I got a job teaching tennis in New York. And I saved a bit of money and I did like greyhounds, like all the way mm. across America. Um, and that gave me the confidence to then sort of really get into traveling when I was like a late teenager. Then when I was 19, I went to South America by myself, got a one-way ticket to Peru and just spent six months traveling around. And that was cool. Then I went to India by myself and I did all these like travels by myself with literally no budget uh, and just having to kind of like feel my way around. And that gave me a lot of confidence. So mm -hmm. by the time I was like 23 or so when I started my business, it, it felt quite it felt like oh it's another part it's another mm. adventure to being self-employed you know it wasn't that nerve-wracking because i figured oh, i've managed to handle like a civil war in bolivia or people banging on my door in um in uh, senegal trying to beat me up and all random experiences or drug dealers in in uh, indonesia various things you get involved with 
you know, things happen when you're sort of traveling around by yourself when you're young. And if you can handle all of that, then setting up a little business, how hard can that be? So that's, <laughs> that's kind of like the mindset. And then um, yeah, like I, said, yeah. I, I see running a business as like an adventure. When I was in my twenties, I saw it as like, you know, trekking the Himalayas and stuff. Mm. Now I get much more of my, my kicks from creating programs, building qualifications, running my business mm. that I find more fun than solo trekking somewhere, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. I'm, I'm not 21 anymore. Well, <laughs> yeah. This is a different it's phase of life, isn't it? The, the, exactly. The, the, you know, yeah. well, getting married, you know, when you get older, getting married is a bit of an adventure, but if you're 18, getting married is, a, is the worst thing in the world. But when you're in your 30s, <laughs> hey, so things change as we uh, yeah, hopefully yeah. We evolve and as we grow through life. Um, again, I'm just, I can't remember what you asked, but I'm just talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. I'll be quiet. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> so... You've got this business then, which obviously you pivoted during the pandemic. You said you had a gym yeah. and then you went online. Completely online, um, yeah. So you're now complete. So all your programming is now done online. Um, are you still flying out to Hollywood on occasions? Um, no, no, that's that's starting back um, probably like September, October. Mm. Uh, but no, for the last, uh, last couple of years, I've just... Once I realized I had to be online for a while, I decided to go all in because I'm kind of, yeah. if you're going to do it, do it properly. And we already were online beforehand, which again was lucky. Like you'd yeah. mentioned like there's yeah. some programs I've written in the introduction. I'd written a couple of programs which were like online programs, which are like subscription models, which people pay mm -hmm. every month. Luckily, they were set up and filmed and all done and dusted like about a year, year to two years before the pandemic. So when right. the pandemic hit, um, luckily the sales for those you like, just in the right place at the right time. Yeah. So lucky. So lucky. Yeah. Um, if the pandemic hit 10 years earlier in terms of my career, I'd have been financially screwed. Mm. Just because I was older and had these things, I was, I was lucky. Yeah. But yeah. I, decided, um, I decided I was going to kind of use this opportunity to make sure my business is completely future-proof and mm. completely uh, bulletproof in terms of it, when there's another pandemic or something else happens. Because I never really thought about what happens if there's a pandemic until it happened like a lot of people yeah, yeah. so yeah. i don't want to i don't want to imagine it happens again in five years i don't be like oh god i should have prepared for it it's no excuse so i want no. to make sure yeah. now my business is completely set and it's nearly there now uh where yeah we don't need to do anything like face to face well we don't now we don't need to do anything face to face we can run quite well online well mm -hmm. not the retreat business the retreat business i had tanked but uh, yeah. that'll, that'll go fine i think in six months time but the other yeah. businesses i run yeah, fine. So okay. yeah, I'll be, I'll be once I have a bit more time on my hands. End of the year, I'll be, I'll probably, I'll be doing more trips. Okay. So what does the future look like? What's growth look like for you and and uh, Dan Roberts Group? Where's it all? Where's it all going? It's a really good question. It's something I've had to kind of, I kind of reevaluated this when I was like during the pandemic because mm. my business was going in a certain way. Like just before the pandemic, we had established partnerships with a few high-end hotels with like uh, uh, Four Seasons and Shangri-La and mm -hmm. a couple of others in London. And we, we were kind of, the plan at the time was to expand into hotels like around the world, like to have my programs in there and to train up the staff. Um, and since the pandemic happened, I don't want to do that anymore because <laughs> it just seems too yeah. much hard work. It sounds really bad, but I, I don't really want to do it anymore. Yeah. Um, so uh, now, I'm focusing on another part of my business, which is the developing trainers, but making sure that it's all automated. Like I've got courses and qualifications coming out and I quite like helping coaches and helping trainers out, but I want to have programs they can buy and things they can buy where it's all, it's all done automatically, as it were. 
because I quite like not killing myself working. I used to work like six in the morning. Like yeah. I'd cycle. Yeah. I live outside of London. I live in Surrey. I used to cycle to London, which was like an hour cycle ride. Mm. Get there for like half six, seven, work all day, come back like at 10, 30 at night. And I do that six days a week for about seven, eight wow. years. And it's like, I've, worked, I've put my hours in and I was like, yeah. you know, I've, I've done way over 30,000 hours of one-to-one -one training. You know, it's a lot. And um, I kind of want to just spend a bit more time with my wife and a bit more time at home. So I'm trying to like slow down. I'm not trying to retire yeah. or anything you know, with that, but I'm trying to make it have a little bit more of a balance because I haven't really had balance in my life before. Mm. So, uh, yeah, really ambition's been, yeah, so I'm kind of like not as ambitious as I used to be, I guess, but, mm. you know, I'm happy. It's but it's good. a different kind of ambition now, isn't it? It's a, it's a different type of desire. Well, I've hit my main goals, you know, like my, when I was a trainer, I had very clear goals about the kind of people I wanted to work with and the, and the money I wanted to earn. And I hit those goals about eight, nine years ago. Mm. So everything else to me is like kind of a bonus, you know, yeah. and it's been nice yeah. to kind of like feel like kind of like proud, I guess, or I kind of feel happy when I look at like, look back at my career, like, yeah, I set out to do something and I did what I wanted to do and I'm enjoying it. And mm. there's a process of actually enjoying your work as well. I think there's a danger. I mean, I work with a lot of very high achieving people and there's a danger of when you're so goal led is you never enjoy the moment. You're always mm -hmm. thinking about the next thing, the next thing. Mm -hmm. And I don't really want to be like that. And I've met some incredibly successful people who aren't massively happy because they're always striving for the next, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I, I trained a guy six months ago who was worth a hundred million, uh, worth, sorry, he was worth 90 million and he was pissed off because he wasn't worth a hundred. <laughs> right. And that, wow. that's the mentality you need to have yeah. to make a hundred yeah. million, right? Yeah. That is mentality, yeah. but it's not the mentality you need to have to have a balanced, happy life. No, no. And actually that's going to drive, well, yeah. I mean, we could talk about the philosophical views on that point, but one of the things I am curious about, Dan, before we, uh, before we wrap up, you've obviously you've put in 30,000 hours training people. Mm, yeah. So you will have learned one or two things about what motivates people during that time. So give us a little yeah. bit of insight into that. What what have you discovered is uh, some of the key motivators for people? Well, I think mainly I think we have to remember that motivation is largely bullshit because the most successful people <laughs> out there, I love that. I love that. <laughs> um, they create they create routines. You know yeah. what I mean? Like the yeah. most. I don't think people who like CEOs of big companies, they don't need to log on to Pinterest in the morning and get some motivational quotes to get them going. You know, yeah. quite often yeah. have things going on in their life, um, relationships or family stuff, which is hard. They still go to work no matter what. Mm -hmm. The people, athletes who are, you know, top athletes who are training like five, six, seven hours a day, they have times when they have breakups, they have times when they're sad, times where money's tight, times where mental health is tough. They're, you know, like everyone, they all go, go through ups and downs, but they still turn up to training. Mm. They still mm. do it because it's in, their, it's in their routine. So I think creating routines is far more powerful than kind of waiting for motivation. Sometimes people feel like sometimes I'm very motivated, sometimes I'm not very motivated, but I still mm. get my work done no matter what. So I think I think waiting for motivation or trying to be more trying to be more motivated is too emotionally exhausting. I think it's much better to create good habits, and then you don't have to think about it. Like brushing your teeth. If you brush, most of us brush our teeth every morning because it's a bit rank not to, and we do it, and we just we don't think about it. Imagine doing a three k run every morning. If you're not a runner, that's horrendous. But if you get into it after like a year of doing that, that's your routine, 
and you find yeah. a way of doing it. And if you talk to really fit people, I mean, look, even Obama did an hour of exercise every day while I was in office. He managed to find time. If it's important to you, you find the time. So if you yeah. know yourself, and that's the key thing, knowing yourself, if you know yourself, um, then you can kind of figure out ways to kind of incorporate things which you know are good for you, be it reading more books, be it mm. pushing yourself more, being it getting out of the house more, whatever it may be. So you know yourself, then you, then you build a routine of doing that. And then it's like this constant never-ending, you know, like this Tony Robbins mm. constant never-ending improvement kind of thing. It's, uh, it, become, it becomes so automatic, you don't have to think about it. Mm. You know? So I think that's the key to motivation is building a, building a routine. There's an old, there's an old saying, uh, you should uh, form, what was it? <laughs> there's an old saying, I can't remember. I'm going to remember it. <laughs> nice dead air. <laughs> okay, I'm going I'm to remember it. Uh, form good habits and make them your masters. That's it. Mm. You know? Form good and habits and make them your masters. And that's the truth. Yeah, then, then you have to think about it. You have yeah. to think about it. You know, yeah. like I exercise every day. Not because I want to, because it's just part of who I am. It's part of what I do. Mm. I always sort of manage to fit in some press-ups or some squats or a little run or something. Um, and it's not even like I, have, I don't really have any fitness goals anymore. I'm just, it's just so part of my routine, and that keeps me healthy. Mm. You know? Same as having breakfast. Same as taking yeah. a vitamin pill, whatever. You know? Yeah. No, it's powerful. That's pow- so actually, part of your job then as a trainer is all about helping people build the right routine. Yeah. I mean, actually, building the routine and actually holding them accountable. Mm-hmm. Well, it's a third thing. Setting high standards for them, which is really important. Most people aren't mm-hmm. ambitious when it comes to uh, their goals. That's mm-hmm. true in business as well as uh, their body. Hold, get them high, hold, set them to high, you know, have high standards for them, help them set really high goals and, ha- and hold them to these high standards by keeping them accountable and then create a journey for them to make it easy. Mm. And that's it. And that's why like, with coaching, to be honest, like 90% is generic life coaching facilitation work. 10% is the technical skill. Like some of the best coaches out there don't have the right, aren't, don't have all the technical knowledge, but because they hold their clients accountable, because they ask the right questions, it's amazing what they can achieve. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's how life coaching yeah. works. Like, hey, what are your yeah. goals? I want to do this. What's stopping you reaching those goals? Or this. What do you think you can do differently to help you reach those goals? Oh, I can do this. Okay. So if I hold you accountable every two weeks, what would you do? Oh, I'll do this. Okay, get on it. Like, I don't know mm. anything about their business, but I can actually ask the right open-ended questions yeah. to facilitate yeah. growth. And that's what, that's what a lot of time executive coaches and life coaches do. And really mm. good ones mm. don't need to have any kind of technical expertise. They just need mm. to know about psychology and questioning. So I yeah. think a lot of coaching is actually that, to be honest, um, and less of it is actually the the actual mechanics of how to teach a deadlift. I mean that's important, yeah. but I think when you're charging more money, a- anyone can kind of teach a bicep curl. To be honest, like the difference mm-hmm. between like a, a trainer who charges ten pound an hour to someone who charges two hundred pound an hour isn't really the, how they teach the bicep curl. It's more yeah. to the it's more about how they make the client feel and how yeah. they make sure accountable and part of the program it's the other things on the outside of it yeah so what would your um someone who's listening to the podcast uh who's a personal trainer they're in a gym they're getting up at six they're working until 10 o'clock that night they're putting their time in right Mm. um but all they can see at the moment is just the grind of personal training in that gym that that's sort of become their life yeah and they're listening to your story going man there's there's you know there's all kinds of possibilities how do they, what would your advice be to them to sort of help them transition from where they are to 
um, maybe thinking outside of the gym? Is it just basically everything that you've just said, but re repackaged towards uh, being a personal trainer, or is there something else to it? Well, I think the first thing is, it's like you have to put your hours in first. If you want to, like, we talked about how there was luck. We tried to talk about how I had luck in my career. And, and as you kind of rightly said, yeah, it was lucky, but you also had, like, you still knew what you're doing. Like, mm. it was lucky to train so and so film star, but I still knew what I was doing, so I didn't mess up. Mm. So, mm. if someone's been training for, like, let's say two years and they're virgin active and they're training, and they're coaching clients every day, and suddenly, like, they get a goal from Brad Pitt and Brad Pitt wants to fly you out and teach, teach him, like, fight choreography. If you don't know, like, how to do fight choreography, and if you haven't got much experience, you've only done two years experience, you're not gonna, he's not gonna immediately gel with you and like fly around the world mm. with him. It's gonna be mm. like, oh, that was a good mistake. You might yeah. maybe have an hour session and you'll never see him again. So there's no point getting to that level unless you're ready for it. So what you do is you, you build up your skills so, when, so then when you're ready to go to the next step, you can actually, uh, you can do it with ease and it's not mm. stress. So I think when you're, if you're in that situation in a gym, make sure that you actually are challenging yourself to be a better coach. For example, what I used to do is after every client, I used to write down notes afterwards about what I did well and what I did badly. And I was really strict with myself. And I really challenged myself to be better for that client the next session. I was like, okay, so what does that client want? How could I be better? What should I do differently this time? And I made that into a habit of constantly reevaluating, like, or evaluating how I was in that session. And then I'd constantly do courses think, how can I incorporate what I've read or what I've read online or that course and how can I how can I adapt that to help this client now and I, mm -hmm. I was really strict for myself about kind of force myself to be a better coach every week I wanted to be a better coach this week than I was last week and I did that yeah. again and again yeah. and again and then you know I, I worked in a I worked in LA fitness for a while and then you know I felt very much like I was ready to move on because I knew better more than everyone else and I was the busiest trainer. So it wasn't like I was just bored. It was like I was better than everyone else there. So mm. it was ready for me to then go yeah. freelance and work in yeah. parks, which I did. Um, but if I did it just because I was bored and I, was, I just wanted to make more money, I wouldn't have made it. Mm. It's because I kind of I felt like I deserved it. And maybe yeah. it's slight arrogance, but I felt like every kind of level, I felt like I deserved to go to the next level because I, I did the studying. And yeah, yeah, you have to put the hours in to feel like you deserve it. I don't ever yeah. want to have like imposter syndrome. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want to feel like yeah. I, you know, if someone calls me and want to work with me, there's a humility, you know, I, I, there's always like a humility of like, oh, it's nice they've called me. But also on the flip side, there has to be a self-confidence of like, yeah, of course they want to work with me. Mm -hmm. And that's important when you, particularly when you're meeting like working with very famous people, very like top athletes or top Hollywood actors. When you meet them, you can't be like, oh my God, I'm such a fan. That's not the way forward. It needs to be like, all right, you're good at what you do. I'm great at what I do. Let's partner up and let's get this done. You know, that's yeah. what they. That's yeah. what they want. They don't want someone going, "Oh my God, you're such a great actor." That's not the way forward. <laughs> that's you know? right. And you can't you, you can't have that confidence unless you know your shit. Unless you put yeah. the hours in. You know, and then and then when whoever walks up to you and want to work with them, you don't feel nervous. Yeah, you get flown out to train whatever you don't you feel oh it's nice you, you know you're mm. humble and you appreciate mm. it mm. but when it actually gets to work you're like well of course they want to work with me because i can help them this way this way and this way and i put the hours mm. in so going back to your question the guy or girl in the gym they need to get good enough that they kind of can get to the next level so they need to push themselves do more courses try and yeah. be better every week and then 
that's that's when they can start being more ambitious in terms of taking some risks. Yeah, like not like, like you know, setting powerful. up freelance. Yeah, yeah, super powerful. As you're talking, I'm remembering. I can't. I'm trying desperately to think of the author, but I can't remember his name. But I I remember reading the book. Becomes so good that they can't ignore you. Um, and I yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the name will come back to me. And it, as you're talking, I'm thinking that's exactly what that that. Yes, yeah, uh, it's also uh, linked to like get so be so well known you don't have to introduce yourself yeah. <laughs> as well it's the same yeah. thing it's, uh, yeah it, it's um, it's the same sort of thing isn't it listen dan super powerful man and um really really i i feel like i've got so many more questions but alas time is upon us uh and so um i'm grateful for the time you've given us already if people want to reach out with you if they want to reach out connect with you what's the best way to do that um i guess i guess Going to my website will be quite a modern way of doing it, I suppose. Uh, <laughs> send a fax, I suppose. <laughs> send a fax. Send a fax. Uh, <laughs> send a fax. Send a carrier pigeon. Yeah. I hope. <laughs> Just shout my name really. You know what? Shout my name really loud. Really loudly. See if I can. See can't. what happens. <laughs> yeah. See what happens. That's what they should do. I could give you my website, but you know what? It's so cliched, isn't it? And. As once one gets older, you don't really want to be cliched. So I'm not going to give you my website. They can Google. They can find me. If they really want to find me, I guess they can Google me. If they really um, want to find you, they will do. Or just shout my name really loudly and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Especially right. from, you know, somewhere like in Edinburgh. Do it in Edinburgh yeah. and see what happens. Really? Uh, really? Never <laughs> know. Be, yeah. Patience is a virtue. Be patient. Be patient. <laughs> He'll be there at some point and we'll answer that, no doubt. Um, <laughs> that's really good. Dan, listen, man, thanks for coming on the show. It's been an absolute blast. And um, Cheers, uh, I, I've, I've really, really enjoyed the conversation. It's been, uh, it's been brilliant. <laughs> I do. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks, man. Well, what a great conversation that was. Huge thanks again for Dan joining me today. And also a big shout out to today's show sponsor, Orion Media. If you're wondering if podcasting is a good marketing strategy for your business, do connect with them at orionmedia.com. That's A-U-R-I-O-N media.com. We will, of course, link to them on the website, pushtobemore.com, where you can also sign up for the newsletter and maybe uh, short circuit the Googling, Dan, because probably all the links will be on the website as well. Now, be sure to follow the Push To Be More podcast wherever you get your podcast from, because we have got yet more great conversations lined up and I don't want you to miss any of them. And in case no one has told you yet today, you are awesome. Yes, you are. Created awesome. It's just a burden you have to bear. Dan has to bear it. I have to bear it. And you've got to bear it as well. Now, Push To Be More is produced by Orient Media. You can find our entire archive of episodes on your favorite podcast app. The team that makes this show possible is Sadaf Bainon, Estella Robin and Tanya Hutzelak. Our theme music was written by Josh Edmondson. And as I mentioned, if you would like to read the transcript or show notes, head over to the website pushtobemore.com. Now, that's it from me. That's it from Dan. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a fantastic week wherever you are in the world. I will see you next time. Bye for now.